The gospel reading this morning is from Matthew 24. Matthew 4. It too is, can be found in the back of your bulletin insert. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory, territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali. On the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Gen- Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From this time on, Jesus began to proclaim, repent for the kingdom or sovereignty of heaven has come near. As he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Here ends the gospel. When has your world stopped and you knew if only for a brief moment that something had changed, that something was real, true? When did you hear, see, discern, or know in your gut that you were invited to live your life in a new and creative way? These encounters are transformational. They turn our world upside down, on in, and we're invited to a whole new understanding of ourselves and how we might live our lives differently. These moments, probably thankfully, happen only occasionally, and they occur when we most least expect them, when we most need them, when our souls are most open or we're in need of some change. 1979 was such a year for me, a year filled with such moments. It was when I graduated from seminary. It was the year I traveled to Scotland to live and work with the Iona community, learning when I arrived, much to their horror and my ineptness, that instead of being the dishwasher, which I had volunteered to do, I was now the cook for 90 people three times a day, (laughs) without a clue of what I was doing. It was the year that I was ordained to the ministry of the word and sacrament. It was the year I moved to Monterey to begin what was to be 13 really good years of ministry. But between the life at the Abbey and the life in Monterey, I had an incredible experience. After leaving Iona, I had three months, three weeks, traveling by myself before connecting with a seminary colleague in Edinburgh. During those weeks, and some of you have heard me tell this story before, I had an opportunity to meet a person that I consider a saint of God. 
In fact, he reminded me of the character played by Merlin in the movie Camelot. His name was Roland Walls. While staying with some folks that I had actually met at a pub in Glasgow, I heard of a small monastic community located outside of Edinburgh in the little village of Roslyn, whose communal life was committed to simplicity, prayer, and poverty. So I decided when I got to Edinburgh that I would make my way to Roslyn, which I did on a bus, and simply attend an even prayer service. Little did I know what lay ahead for me. This is true, or is at least most often true, of transformational encounters. If we knew what lay ahead, we would probably avoid it altogether. I arrived at Roslyn near sunset, ready for even prayer, unable if I'd really be able to find the community of the Transfiguration, but I did, and I ended up staying a week, which in itself was amazing. For me, those seven days were one of those times when our life intersects for a very brief moment with a person who somehow is set alongside us so we can learn from them and learn about ourselves. It was almost as if I was thrust beyond my control into a relationship that seemed to exist for years, even though we had just met. Roland was the abbot of this very small community of eight, and he was that person that was set alongside my life at that time for a distinct purpose. For one week, I learned so much about myself. As I was remembering this encounter with this gentle person, one memory that surfaced was when Roland and I were walking along a cliff above a beautiful little gentle riverbed outside or next to Roslyn Chapel, that place that is now made famous by Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code, and it looks exactly as it looked in the movie. As he and I walked, I opened myself to him in a way that I had never opened myself to any other person. I told him my struggles about faith, about God, about deaths in my family, about my sexual orientation, about my upcoming ordination. It was the all of it. As I mentioned to him my fears and apprehensions of becoming a minister, especially at that time in the Presbyterian Church, which really wasn't very open to um, same-gender relationships, and starting my new life in Monterey, and becoming a professional minister, whatever that meant, I started asking questions, was I up to the challenge? Would people like me? Would I have anything to say to people along their path of faith? How long would I stay? And would I like being a minister? What would that be like? And would I be effective? You know, those kind of questions we ask and we wonder and we ponder, either out loud to another or to ourselves or secretly to God, how will I know I'm doing the right thing? How will I know that this is where God wants me to be? How will I handle the mistakes that I will surely make and the disappointments that people will have in me, and how will I handle their disappointments? You know, it's funny. These are questions that I still ask today. Of course, from a different perspective, now four decades later. 
And it's interesting asking them now at this time in my life as I ponder my retirement, reflecting on leaving this amazing community, wow, um, for these past 29 years. Uh, May 31st is going to be a show. Um, so remembering all that has happened here, happened in me, happened in our world, and considering what lies ahead. You know, life continually asks us three questions to respond to situations and invitations and struggles and challenges. During my walk with Roland, he talked about following Jesus, even if it didn't make any sense, and invited me to consider all of my doubts in this person that I had and my beliefs about his teachings and saying, you know, Jeff, they're okay. You can have all these questions and still be faithful. Like Simon and Andrew and James and John, they were casting their nets doing what fishermen do. I was just talking with this person being myself, doing what I was doing in that moment. They received an invitation to live their life differently. Follow me. And they did. Would we? Would I? I would hope I would have said yes. I feel like I have, but in that moment, would I have said yes? But you know, there was something about Jesus that Simon and the others trusted. And there was something about Roland that I trusted. And my friends, this is how we encounter this mystery we call God. That something that is evoked through an encounter with another person. Yes, our faith is incarnational. So whom do you trust and why? When have you been asked to do something that didn't make any sense? Or you told your secrets to someone that you didn't know very well at all, and yet you did because somehow in a core place within you, you knew it was right? That's how the four experienced Jesus, I believe, in our text this morning. I believe this invitation to follow Christ then is offered individually and personally to all of us, however we understand him and however we understand his teachings. For follow me is a wake-up call, if you will, to be real. To follow is a wake-up call to be real. What for you is real that you are being called to wake up to? This is what faith and life is all about. As we heard from Psalm 27, God is my light and my salvation as we sang. Whom shall I fear? The Holy One is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I ask of God that I will seek after is to live in the house of the Holy One all the days of my life and to behold the beauty of God and to inquire in God's temple. No psalm expresses trust in God 
nor claims absolute dependence on God as clearly as this one. And this is what is going on, I believe, in the would-be disciples' lives. When they heard Jesus call, follow me, this was what was going on in my conversation with Roland. Trust in the God who dwells within you. Trust in the God who dwells within you, even if it doesn't make sense, even if you don't fully believe. Dr. Jean Shahona Bolden once said that before we can do something that we've never done before, we need to be able to imagine that it's possible. To imagine a different understanding of what we've previously held as a belief. To hear the invitation to live our lives differently and more freely. Roland challenged me to believe in myself to embrace a different understanding of who I was and who I could be and become. This is what happened in Simon's life. Remember, we refer to him now as Peter, as well as his fellow fishermen. What are you imagining? What are you imagining might be different in your life today? This is what it means to follow to wake up to what is real, to wake up to what is possible, to wake up to God. May this be so for each of us.